Hey everybody, producer Dave here. This week's member shows are all freebies at patreon.com slash echoplex. So head on over there, check out the member show, and if you feel like you get some value from it, go ahead and sign up at the $5 level and you can always get the member shows. Thanks. Don't forget to follow us on social media for beautiful food and inspiration. Yeah. Uh-huh.
everybody. Welcome to Down Ballot. We do this show live every Tuesday, 7.30 p.m. Pacific, right here on Twitch. That's at twitch.tv slash echoplexmedia. And of course, you can catch all of our live shows via audio only at eplex.xyz or on the TuneIn app by searching Echoplex Radio. I'm producer Dave. I can be found in various places, but if you're local and, you know, if you think you can um, think you can pass the test, hit me up on Grinder. And this is the councilman. You can find me on Twitter at the underscore councilman, uh, or up on the 18th floor city hall, cleaning out my desk. Sad face. <laughs> well, we it missed is- a, we missed a show last week, but that's okay. It was a fairly slow news week, and um, there will be no show next week because uh, my birthday falls on a Tuesday. And the last thing I want to do is uh, cover local news and then have a band come in and have to set them up. So we know. Are we allowed uh, to sing happy birthday, or is that copyrighted? Oh, just don't do it. Domain? I mean, I, I'm sorry. Are you, you're breaking up. You're breaking up, Councilman. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Is that better? That's much better now that you're not thinking about singing happy birthday to me. I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, anyway, but uh, I will wish you a happy birthday in advance then, um, since we're not going to be on the air live next week. Um, and let me know if you have an Elfster or some sort of list. I can, I'd can. i be happy to purchase you something, a gift card maybe to one of your favorite drinking establishments if they if they do those sort of things. Uh, if we If we go out, we'll let you know. Sounds like a plan. All I'll right. Around. Well, we do local news on this show. I don't know if that's good or bad, but it is It is the thing that we do around here. So it's, what do we... It's what definitely do, ugly sometimes. Yeah. What do we have for leading off this week? Uh, I do believe a uh, story that you found. Uh, it's it's a heartwarming story uh, about the Billy DeFrank Center, our local LGBTQ plus um, community center, um, just down the street from my house, actually. And they hosted a little uh, holiday gathering. So we're going we're gonna to learn more about that. Holidays can be a difficult time in the LGBTQ community. Devin Feely talked to the organizer of a special celebration meant to combat the holiday blues. Christmas Day, it's a big family day, you know, traditionally. And so uh, we have a saying that you can choose your family. Gabrielle Lentolovich launched the holiday celebration nearly 30 years ago at the Billy DeFrank Center and says it just filled a much-needed void in the LGBTQ community. Our motto for Christmas Day is you can choose to be with your people here at the Billy DeFrank Center. And Tolovich says members of the LGBTQ community have historically struggled to gain acceptance from family and friends and society in general. The celebration, she says, can be a comfort and a welcome escape from uncomfortable family gatherings. I can usually tell when someone's coming because they had nowhere else to go. So I encourage them to pretend that this was a choice, that they had many choices, and this is the one they chose so that they could feel good about being here. And the beloved celebration, she says, like the rest of us, is bouncing back post-pandemic. Before COVID, we traditionally had about 200 people. And now that we're coming back uh, at Thanksgiving Day, we we do the same thing because that's another family (laughs) trauma. (laughs) And um, we had about over 130 people coming and going, floating in and out. And the Billy DeFrank Center's Christmas celebration runs from noon until 3 o'clock in the afternoon tomorrow. Proof of COVID vaccination, though, is required. Fuck yeah. Great idea. Great job. I mean, 200 people. That's actually really fabulous turnout. It must be a fun time, I would imagine. That room would be packed. So hopefully they uh, they got that many. Yeah. 
I mean, however many they got, I'm sure it was fine. I'd been to many events at Billy DeFrank Youth Center, and I used to uh, donate my time when they did the uh, gay prom. I would always DJ for free for them when they did the oh, very gay cool. prom here in San Jose. It was a long time ago. Um, it was when people like knew who I was as a DJ. Now I'm like, <laughs> now I'm just like, a, now I'm just like a talk show host that everybody's like, oh, I guess we'll watch this channel again. <laughs> so back when there was some actual value to your DJing, and yeah, you could like <laughs> make it a donation, as opposed to now you have to kind of like, give it away regardless. <laughs> uh, I I I, right. I, st- I can still I can still demand pay at some events, but certainly not at things like the caravan or like bike party. You're, yeah, absolutely. You're not. pretty you're pretty fly for a white guy. Oh man, that's but that's that's good. That's a good story, and uh, yeah, I, I'm glad they're I'm glad they're doing the COVID vaccine thing there. That that's pretty good. I don't I don't think I'd ever been to a holiday thing there, but like I don't have those problems. I know a lot of people do have those family problems, and it's not just not just queer people. I mean, some people's families just suck, and they're not eating. You know, you don't got to be you don't got to be queer for your family to suck. Yeah, in general, um, and some folks just don't have anywhere uh, any family to go to. So, um, that's fantastic that they do that. So. Uh, more power to them. I'll see if I can volunteer some time next year, maybe to help out. Um, that seems like it'd be a good, a good fun time. Bring, I'll bring a, the good wife and the bad baby. We'll make a family excursion out of it. We'll choose our own family. And not only that, it's only noon to three. So it, if you wanted to go right. volunteer or whatever to help out, you could still go do, you still do your regular family gathering as well. No, it's actually the perfect time. It's right in the middle of when our families would normally be eating. So we could have a legit excuse not to go. <laughs> we could cho- we would choose a- we would have options and we would choose our own family um because uh, sometimes our families can be a little bit much i would say oh yeah especially since you had a baby i bet like i bet like i don't know they're all excited and that's nice but i bet i, I bet after like the sixth or seventh person that's like oh my god i'm so glad you had a baby you're like oh my god shut up <laughs> it's it's more that everyone loves babies and they love to hold babies and to to touch babies and they it, as long as it's not their baby right and then when the baby starts crying it's like oh it's your baby here you go so yeah it's more like that and everyone everyone wants a piece of the bad baby and the bad baby's like no man i'm doing my own thing I tell w- the I truth be- tell, tell the truth were there any of your relatives you were hoping the bad baby threw up on Oh, absolutely. 100%. You're like, um, oh, please barf, please barf. Did, did the next best thing and just like cried almost instantly on being passed to the person. So that, um, and the person was insistent that they knew how to get the baby to not cry. You're so like, they you would not have at it. Right. Like one of my, one of my aunts, like, you know, baby starts crying. She's like, here you go. Right. Back to dad. She knew, she knew what she was doing. Other <laughs> relative, not so much. Like I can, I can fix this. So like, anyway, you get, you get, parenting good good old parenting tips right here on down ballot as well not just local news and and derp so tune in every tuesday at 7 30 live i mean for fuck's sake we have to do something worse than we do the news so parenting tips might would be the one right dad vice hashtag dad vice dad vice with the councilman (laughs) oh man there's a show coming there's another there's another no no. we'll have one listener uh listener uh listener so uh, we're gonna move on to winners and losers this is the segment of our show when there are no winners but if there happens to be a winner, it was probably not who you're, you were rooting for. Although I think the last time we did a show, we had a, a winner that we were rooting for. But I think that might have been in Down Ballot Watch. I'm not sure. Yes. Or, or uh, yes, I believe it was. I think we, we snuck it down into Down Ballot Watch so it wouldn't have to fall under winners and losers. Because there was a winner and it didn't, just didn't seem to fit with the concept of winners and losers. Um, anyway, uh, so it looks like uh, COVID is the real winner here. Um, and we're all the losers. Yeah, it's, well, it looks like uh, it looks like it might be time for everybody to start masking up indoors again, not just because of COVID, yeah. but because of the, the 
particularly nasty strain of the flu seems to be going around. Mm. And uh, wouldn't you know it, RSV is going around as well. Let's see what uh, see what KPIX five has to say about that. Well, this is the third holiday season. Travelers have had COVID at top of mind, but this year there was also concerns over the flu and RSV amid the so-called triple-demic. Joining me now is Dr. Maalthi Srinivasan, a clinical professor with Stanford Medicine. And doctor, we know that masks help prevent the spread of COVID, but how effective are they in slowing the spread of flu and RSV? So Ryan, masks will protect you from all the viruses, COVID, RSV, influenza. And a big part of enjoying a happy holiday is to really have a healthy holiday and to not get sick. These viruses hitch a ride on your respiratory droplets when we talk or cough. And you want to wear a high quality mask like a surgical mask or a KN95 or N95 mask to really make sure you're protected. But you have to make sure when you wear them that you have actually a good seal around your nose and mouth. And you can do this pretty easily by just taking a deep breath in and out while you're wearing one. Your mask should collapse when you inhale. You shouldn't be able to feel any air around your face when you exhale, and your glasses shouldn't fog up. That's good advice there. And for those flying for the holidays, do you still recommend masking, even though airplanes, they, they tout those HEPA filtration systems? Oh, definitely. We should be masking. I mean, airplanes have great filtration systems, but it's not enough to protect you from that ill passenger sitting close to you or that baby coughing two aisles over. And the travel risk just isn't the flight. But when you're going through the airport, I mean, we've had these weather delays and cancellations over the past week, and there's millions of people who are spending longer time at the airport. So if you don't want to get sick, uh, we should be masking for the three C's, close contact, closed environments and crowded spaces, and really removing our masks for the least amount of time necessary when we're eating or drinking. And, and do you still recommend getting tested before and after traveling? Because a lot of people are wondering, like, how accurate are those rapid tests these days? Yeah, the, uh, the rapid tests are very accurate if you test serially. And I think that if you're trying to figure out if you should test, you have to look at your personal risk and the risk to your friends and family. And if you have family at home who are older, or in a high-risk group of COVID deterioration, or you just don't want your family to get COVID, since COVID is the only um, uh, home test that we have, then you should definitely test in quarantine if you're positive. And the way to test if you're asymptomatic for COVID is to do serial testing. You test the day before you travel, then when you arrive, and then two to three days later. And I think that if we can do this, at least for COVID, uh, we can enjoy a happy and healthy holiday. Always good advice. Thank you, Dr. Sirini Vasan from Stanford Healthcare. Thanks for joining us. Happy holidays. It's great to see you, Ryan. As someone in chat mentioned, also <clears throat> in and around the airport and on the plane, there are chemtrails. And so you need the mask for that as well. Absolutely. Uh, so really just anywhere you're walking or driving or biking or just anywhere, if you're outside, you're going to be exposed to COVID. So just, you know, wear a mask and the flu and RSV. But, and chemtrails. I mean, in chemtrails, right? <laughs> uh, but well, the chemtrails have all of them. You know, um, the, the 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 planes. Like someone with COVID on the plane poops, and it goes into the chemtrails, and suddenly it's all over you. It's just disgusting. I didn't really appreciate how uh, Doctor Srinivasan was trying to blame baby. Like it's not baby's fault if baby's sick or has some you know virus that they're passing along. Um, baby doesn't know any better, so don't blame the baby. Um, <laughs> But yeah, watch out for those rogue droplets. Watch, watch out for those. I love, I love the image of a virus hitching a ride on a droplet. Like, yeehaw, let's go. Having a good old time.
Um, and now that we're all getting back together again, viruses are ha yeah having a grand old time. This is great. These people are so close together. I can just hop from one person to the next. Uh, so but, uh, I think this is a story where there are winners. It's uh, the general, like the general willingness for customer service people to uh, do labor actions. <clears throat> yeah. kind of a, that was kind of a big new thing in 2022. Yeah, I'd say, I'd see say, many uh, customer service p uh, positions, people in customer service willing to engage in strikes, walkouts, trying to unionize and whatnot. Those people had definitely been left out of what little unionization was left in the private sector. And it seems like this year that's been stepping up a little bit and good, good on those people. You should uh, definitely band together and try to get more from your employer. And it looks like the people at Macy's were none too happy with Macy's. So what better way to fuck Macy's over than to go on strike the two days before Christmas? Let's check out a local news story from that. Okay, they're not selling, but they are picketing. Two days before Christmas, retail workers at the Macy's store in San Francisco's Union Square walked off the job. What they want for Christmas is better pay and health care benefits. NBC Barry Sidhio Quintana joins us from Union Square. Don't shop Macy's! At Macy's flagship store at San Francisco Union Square, workers are asking people not to shop here. That's in contrast to what city leaders and Union Square retailers have been doing this Christmas season. They've practically been begging customers to return to the retail district, hoping people would get back to some of their pre-pandemic shopping habits. For Macy's union members, the big issues are money and health care benefits. This strike comes after employees overwhelmingly voted down a contract offer from Macy's this week. What the company is offering is uh, completely insufficient uh, to what the workers have had to go through for the last three years. Uh, the wages are uh, inadequate. The health care is really bad. One employee who didn't want to speak on camera also shared photos of what she described are the unpleasant things they have to deal with at this location. In one photo, a used condom and theft control cables are in a corner, evidence of what the employee describes as rampant theft. In another photo, a pile of clothes soaked in urine. Employees say this store location is often unsafe, and they say the company doesn't do much to help. I was told by my ex-security uh, manager that uh, if you see somebody who steal, don't let them in, let let them handle it. And then because if I do, I'm gonna lose my job. Employees are hoping that this two-day demonstration before Christmas will prompt the company to go back to the negotiating table for what they hope will be better terms to a new contract. We reached out to Macy's for an interview on the strike and contract terms. Macy's spokesperson Julianne Olivo replied with a short statement. At Macy's, our top priority is to ensure the safety of our colleagues and customers. Our Macy's Union Square store remains open to customers and employees. Some customers continued into the store despite the picket line. Others were sympathetic to the picketers. What do you think of a demonstration in front of Macy's two days before Christmas? I think it's effective. Um, if they want to get their point across. The strike continues tomorrow. The store will be closed Sunday on Christmas Day. Employees say they plan to return to work on Monday, and they're hoping Macy's will offer them a better deal. In San Francisco, Sergio Quintana, NBC, Bay Area News. Oh, my God, during the pandemic at the fucking Macy's store in San Francisco, think of the entitled motherfuckers who went into the Macy's and this, maybe the, short, the store was short-staffed because people were out sick or people just quit because a lot of people quit their jobs during the pandemic. So you got all these entitled motherfuckers coming in there. Oh, what yep. they dealt with during the pandemic at like these sort of... And Macy's isn't like really high-end. It's like pseudo high-end retail, right? It Like, like high-end retail is a place where the shit is expensive. Macy's, For your sure. shirt is five bucks more than at like, I don't know, like Target, right? It's not really yeah. a high-end retailer. 
Yeah, I mean, real talk. Sergio Quintana, where'd he get that sweater, right? Probably at Macy's, I'm right. guessing. Before the strike. Maybe sure. maybe Lululemon. Maybe he stole it from Lululemon. <laughs> maybe he bought it on eBay after they got robbed from Lululemon. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, uh, I mean, I'm certainly not crying necessarily for, for Macy's at all, or at Macy's at all. Um, and yeah, good. like you said, good on the, the workers. I think the winners here are, in general... Um, a lot of service workers out there who are organizing in uh, more robust ways. Um, and it's really the labor movements that, that's, that's leading that charge. It's not so much like, you know, that, I mean, certainly there's organic uh, worker uprisings, right? Um, but this is generally being driven a lot by uh, big labor, like labor writ large. And it's a good thing to see. Um, I think they see an opportunity, of course. I mean, they're always looking out for their bottom line, too. Um, so this is a great opportunity. There's a huge market out there for them, if you will, um, of workers who are being, uh, neglected, mistreated, uh, under, uh, underpaid, uh, and overworked. Um, and it, it would behoove them to, to look at more private sector unionization. And UFCW is one of the leading forces for that. They've unionized, you know, uh, uh grocery store workers, cannabis workers. Um, so they're, they're one of the leading unions in terms of organizing private sector employees. So good on them. Um, and we shall see who the real, the real winners and losers are. Um, I did like the people who would take, take the flyer and still like walk in. <laughs> like, oh, I'll take your flyer, but I'm still going to go shop and get my Macy's shit. Maybe they were, maybe they took the flyer and they're like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to stand somewhere in the way actually and just be inconvenient. Right. I mean, if they really wanted to get Macy's attention, they would like, I don't know, like deflate the Charlie Brown balloon before the, the Thanksgiving parade. Right. <laughs> You're talking um, direct so- action now, huh? Yeah, I, th- I think I think we really need to think about that if they if they really want to get their attention, um, disrupt that parade, you know, um, and like throw 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 a spikes out in front of one of the high school marching bands or something. Oh right? my god, no! Don't do that. My god, blood on blood no, on no, Park no, Avenue. No, don't do that. Yikes. Um. Yes, exactly. But yeah, uh, there are other there are other ways to get even more, uh, more attention. I'm sure, but um. Anyway, meanwhile, like just down the street, apparently, it looks like IKEA is coming in to try and gentrify another part of uh, uh, San Francisco's business corridor. Yeah, it's between uh, I think Fifth and Sixth. Is that right? Yeah, and that's like uh, the like where the Powell Street light rail state or the Powell Street uh, Bart Station is. So it's and there it is. All right, well let's 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 hear more about who's getting displaced. And some good news for San Francisco's struggling mid-market area. IKEA scheduled to open next year on market between 5th and 6th. Our Dahlin reports many business owners and neighbors think that it will help revitalize and clean up that part of town. The sign doesn't say when they're going to open, but we understand it's going to be in the fall of... They're still trying to put the store together. (laughs) But don't... We're moving in and opening. We need to put up with the furniture. To walk out with brand new furniture. IKEA will anchor this multi-story shopping mall at around 87,000 square feet. It'll be smaller than the typical IKEA stores. For example, it's about a third of the Emeryville IKEA, which is 274,000 square feet. Even though if it might be a smaller one, hey, that's still drawers I can buy. That's still like shelving I can buy. Neighbor Adrian Tafoy. I mean, that's what you say until you try to put it together, buddy. Sixth Street. He says, aside from the convenience, it'll help push the crime away. To be able to have just a little bit more cleaner streets, you know, yeah. instead of some people, you know, drug dealing on the side. Neighbors say there's a lot of open drug use and drug dealing on Sixth Street, and it spills. Like here, get B-roll of dark people doing drugs. Owner <laughs> agrees. Drugs and are major problems in the area. His restaurant is right across.
across the street from the new <laughs> IKEA. Make a clean everything, make a security, they give the more security, people come more. Even though IKEA has its own food court, Tootsie points out his food is very different. It's from Nepal and North India. He believes it's a win-win situation since it'll bring more foot traffic to Market Street. We have Asian, Indian cuisine and Nepalese food. People like our food and we have a good review, you know. IKEA coming to the mid-market area of San Francisco shows us that large retail is betting on the recovery of San Francisco in a major way. Marissa Rodriguez is the CEO of the Union Square Alliance. She believes mm. more businesses will follow suit. We couldn't be happier. We're really seeing some positive signs that industry, business, and people are really coming back to the downtown. An art gallery will open soon across from IKEA. There are still several vacant storefronts on the block, but neighbors say this is progress. I think it will be really, really awesome to see it vitalize. You know, to be able to bring up, you know, everybody's like, let's just say, spirits in a sense. Aside from IKEA, developers are also trying to bring in restaurants and entertainment venues to the building. IKEA already has two stores in the Bay Area in Emeryville and East Palo Alto. They've been working to open a store in Dublin as well, but there's no timeline on that Dublin opening. All right, thanks. I wonder what the Union Street or what Union Square Alliance thinks about uh, the Macy's strike. I kind of want to get their quote on that story too. They <laughs> They're must, like they must have like, not returned the call. Like, fuck them oh, workers. Yeah, oh, yeah, no, I'll, we'll talk about Ikea coming to town, but, yeah, we don't really want to talk about that squiffy subject. Um, anyway, well, yeah, I guess the, the joke is the store is still in assembly mode, right? Well, the, the jokes to... are actually happening in chat. Somebody's holding it down there. It was a pretty good chemtrails joke. I'm jokes sure, about I'm sure Dublin, we'll... Ireland. and Someone wrote the instructions for the store in Swedish. <laughs> the, the, con the, the union contractors couldn't read them. Yeah, if they've, the store, if the, dude, if the store is behind schedule, we're going to have so many really bad jokes about the store opening <laughs> behind schedule. They're going to be like, I don't know how to put this elevator together. It's just like four <laughs> sheets of paper with pictures. <laughs> the front door doesn't fit. It's like there's a gap. Why is there a gap? There's one screw left. There's how am I one screw left. How am I supposed to, supposed to put this whole store together with two Allen wrenches? I don't understand. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's I guess it's good, but the the place they're describing it's near the most popular, like the most like it's where you get off in downtown San Francisco from Bart. This isn't mm -hmm. like right across the way, like if you go across the street from there, it's Union Square. Yeah, it's not as though this is not a popular, you know, foot, you know, heavily trafficked area of town already, right? Like this is the heart of San Francisco. This is downtown San Francisco, so it's not as though I I don't get the sense that any section of that has been like completely dead or dying or in danger of falling away. You know, someone's going to move in there eventually. I Ikea is not saving the world. They're probably taking advantage of low rent more than likely. Or lower um, rent. Yeah. Or a sweetheart rent. deal from the city or. Yeah. And they're doing, you know, uh, uh, Ikea mini pequeño, Ikea, pequeño Ikea, uh, the, ex the express Ikea maybe, but it only takes like eight hours to find your way through and get your shit. Right. As opposed to the typical all day package. You're like, I just want a desk that'll fall apart in three years. Where do I find that? <laughs> my phone just freaking, or my watch just fucking talked to me. I don't know. I think it thought I was talking to it. But it's trying, to give, you it's it's trying to give you instructions for a, for a bookcase. It's transcribing everything I say. Oh, that's, that's of course it is. That's what, do you, what else do you think you would happen when you buy a watch? Freaking Tim, Tim Cook, my, my phone is freaking transcribing all my cuss words too. Spelled correctly at least. <laughs> Your watch that's is cool. like, you, you have a naughty mouth, sir. <laughs> 
<laughs> you have a very, very bad mouth, sir. Anyway, um, well, so yeah, so I guess shop at Ikea, don't shop at Macy's, and, you know, watch out for, you know, flying condoms. And also well. really important, I want to try out that restaurant that they, like... Nepalese food is really good. Have you yeah, had it before? Yeah, yeah I've had yeah, it. There, there was delicious. a place that, place we used to get delivery from, it was uh, Nepalese and, um, I forget what else now. It was Indian and Nepalese, I forget, but Bangladesh, it was very maybe, good. or Indian. That's, but now I don't live now I don't live on nice. the now I don't live on the west side anymore, so I can't get that. So very comforting, very spicy, very good. So up next is they had mentioned a Dublin, but right next to Dublin is San Ramon. And uh this is I guess don't go to the fucking in and out in San Ramon because this kind of weird shit'll happen to you. What? <laughs> but if they're on a date, that looks like a straight couple. Another homophobic, and later in that same video, racist outburst in the Bay Area going. Um, this might be staged. In San Ramon, since that video was posted on TikTok, San Ramon Police Department said they have received complaints about similar behavior from what appears to be the same man. San Ramon Police. Oh, nope, that's not staged. That, that guy. That guy afterward did his <laughs> yeah, own video. He said all those things. <laughs> he did his own video, a uh, vertical video on Facebook Live. He's like, I saw some weird homosexuals filming themselves eating in the In and Out. This is America. He was filming. He was doing a Facebook Live as he was confronting them about their TikTok video. He was way meta. He was totally meta. Get it? Did you see what I did there? I was. I was meta. <laughs> it's about similar behavior. From what appears to be this man accused of harassing Irene Kim and Elliot Ha at an in and out on Christmas Eve. Neither knows what caused the man to walk over and start talking to them, but they quickly realized he wanted to start trouble. It was a shock, to say the least. In the video, you can see the energy change when he approaches for a second time. I'm sorry, my bad. I didn't say anything. You didn't say anything. No, sir. Elliot and I were shaking and stuttering towards the end of it. The back and forth. Whoa, Elliot's got a nice mic. You see that? Continuing to yeah. Ask homophobic he's, he'd, and racist questions. He'd be podcasting. The alarm bells were ringing inside our head. Like, we are in danger. Eventually, the man left, but Arena and Elliot say he stood outside staring at them. And he was staring us down for 15, 10 minutes, 10 to 15 minutes through the window and his gaze never averted from us. Eventually, he did leave. Store employees walked the two out to their car. We made sure to ask the workers, could you guys walk us to our cars? We need to make sure that she's not still around, and the workers were just super helpful. Since the video was posted Saturday night, it's got nearly six million views and tens of thousands of comments. Community within the comments, if that makes sense, is all very wholeheartedly supportive of you know, stopping Asian hate uh, movements against PSC in general. In the meantime, San Ramon police are still searching for the man at the center of it all. Looks like that guy, Josh from Oreo Express, who we cover <laughs> on another show, like looks oh, like really? a dead ringer for Josh from Oreo Express. <clears throat> Could it um, possibly be him? Maybe, maybe the guy's from Fresno. No, I don't think so. I don't think it looks a, okay. I'd say it looks a little like him. Like the bells are going off. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's weird. What are, you, are you Kim Jong-un's boyfriend? Is, is Kim Jong-un gay? I don't know. I, my impression is that they were on a date. Yeah, I mean, they're friends, quote-unquote, but whatever. I mean, yeah, they're having, especially having animal-style fries. You're going to interrupt people while they're eating animal-style fries? That's like a sacred moment right there. That's like that's almost like the, 
well it's not like the eucharist okay fine but still it's close um anyway yeah i, I don't know that this was staged or not but um uh, i do know that you know uh, the young lady definitely prepared for her on-camera hit after the event um so uh but yeah it looked like just another wackadoo who's saying wackadoo things I was skeptical until they said, actually, we've heard of this guy doing this before. And then they showed a picture of the guy. And I'm like, nope, this is real. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely with that car. Yeah, that guy with the a silver Mustang or whatever. Bitching Camaro. He's got a bitching yeah. Camaro. <laughs> that's what it is, David. <laughs> I got a bitching Trans Am out in the driveway. You so gotta what, see I, it. what I did notice, and I notice this all the time, is a homeboy had a, like a microphone like for a podcast set up. But it was clearly his mm -hmm. laptop microphone that you were hearing on, mm -hmm. on the call fucking uh, really missed opportunity sad react only sad react only. oh man yeah the, 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 we have a follow-up we'll show we have a follow-up looks like they're outside of the same in and out probably uh went to meet the news there i don't know maybe they nice. were like you know what let's go find this guy fuck around and find out anyway here's a follow-up on that story um let's see what happens here oh is he couple targeted in yep they were, they were on a date yeah there are some new developments in the racist and homophobic harassment that happened Christmas Eve at a San Ramon in and out Elliot Ha and Irene Kim were making a food review video when a man just started insulting and then threatening them. Now San Ramon police say they've arrested the suspect for violating California hate crime laws. Betty Yu talked to the victims tonight. Irene Kim and Elliot Ha came back to this same In-N-Out on Monday for burgers and fries, and they said they felt safe eating here. I spoke with them shortly after they gave their statements to the San Ramon Police Department. I'm like it's spit in your face and it's a In a three-minute TikTok that now has more than 10 million views, Irene Kim and Only in San Ramon. racist and homophobic rants from a man who approached them while they were filming themselves eating items off the secret menu at In-N-Out. Anyways, you can try the In less than 48 hours, San Ramon police announced that they've arrested 40-year-old Jordan Douglas Craw of Denver, Colorado. He's been charged what? with two counts of committing a hate crime. A lot of people are commenting originally, like, why didn't you call the police in that moment? And I think for us, like, especially for a lot of people of color, a lot of Asian Americans that under that go through hate crimes, like I've been verbally assaulted on more than one occasion, not to the degree that that man went to. But, you know, like you most of the time, you don't think that someone will ever really take you seriously. And when we were talking to the police earlier today, one thing that they mentioned that kind of stuck with me is nothing is too small to be reported because they would rather be glad to get the call and figure out that it really is nothing rather than have it actually be something. Irene said someone recognized the suspect at a San Ramon target and called police who arrested him shortly after on Monday. It is mild. I want to see the video of what he did to the poor people at Target. Everyone did he did they tell his vision Camaro positive people because that's you know not the world that we live in. But for him, you know, I do, I do hope that he finds like the help that he does need. And Before his arrest, police said they received complaints about similar behavior from what appears to be the same man. Irene said she was contacted by another victim who had a run-in with the suspect on Christmas Day. Hmm. She's Filipino. Double -double. Filipino. He was hurling like racist insults at her and her family, as well as just that he began spitting them at spitting at them as well. 
Irene added that she was careful not to respond to the man in an aggressive way. When he was outside in the parking lot, I wasn't sure if he was going to his car to get a weapon or get a gun or get a knife. And, you know, in the world that we live in, sadly, that is something that we have to be or the country that we live in. That is something that we have to be concerned about. I like her correction there. So grateful for all the support they've gotten while they were in line today. In fact, another customer surprised them by paying for their food. Oh, you didn't even put that other customer on the news. That other customer right. was trying to get TikTok famous for fan for the for those people's food. You know, when you go around doing that to people, like there's a difference. Like, and I talk about this kind of a lot, mostly on Twitter. Is there's a you'd go around and you do that to enough people in the real world, and eventually somebody's your fucking Huckleberry, right? Like, eventually, eventually somebody's like, "Is it worth the night in the pokey?" Yes, I think so. And so, like. I think it's probably better that these people get kicked out of these establishments and that even if they're caught and released because there's really no uh, no like violent crime happened or whatever, it's better that happens than this guy continues to do this. And then eventually, you know, you know, eventually somebody's like, today is not the day, sir. You would like to see me outside. I would like to go outside with you right now, sir. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, absolutely. Uh, the escalation factor, or the de-escalation factor is, is very large and very real. So that's why the... Um, officer uh told the young lady that yeah and even the smallest thing or the the young young man um even the smallest thing please report it because you never know when it's going to escalate you just don't know um and how many times do we hear about it when something does happen a violent incident does happen and you hear oh well this guy said like eight million fucking racist fucking things you know and violent and made violent threats up and down um but you know i didn't say anything because you know he's just that's just bob you know, he's, he's a little wacky. Um, so yeah, I think he may have actually, he may have actually broken a law when he was like, Oh, you know, I'll see you outside. What do you think I'm going to do to you outside? I think that's like, mm -hmm. I think the other stuff probably isn't illegal, but I think that if, if a DA really wanted to push it, that I'll see you outside. What do you think I'm going to do to you outside? That's clearly, you can't threaten people with violence. Like there are limits to your ability yeah. to speak actually. And violent threats are one of those things that are uh, past, past the limit. Yes, it is. Absolutely. Okay, so um, Stanford apparently put out a harm, harmful language list and got some pushback. Um, I read, I was reading a little bit about this, and I'm kind of ambivalent on it because some of the stuff is kind of people mean well, and I think that the people on the internet who are talking shit about it are talking shit about it for their own ends to kind mm -hmm. of raise their own profile. But I think that you know maybe and well, we'll we'll let the video play, and I'll I'll give some give, give some more of my thoughts afterwards. To the extent that I have thoughts that anybody wants to listen to. Okay, guru, brave, ladies, stupid. Some of the words now forbidden at Stanford. There is a list out of the university that's raising some eyebrows. They are so-called forbidden words. The goal, they say, is to eliminate harmful language on Stanford websites. Some other words include rule of thumb, immigrant, master list, black sheep, and abort. Critics note that one of the most controversial words on the list, though is American. NBC Bears Marianne Favreau says a lot of people think the university went too far with that one word. Vietnam veteran Louis Agrant Sr. of San Jose says he's stunned to hear Stanford put American on a harmful language list. When you go to war and you're out there in the battlefield and you're not thinking about being a U U.S. citizen, you're thinking about what you are in your heart 
and we're all Americans, and we should be proud of that. Stanford says its controversial word list is part of an initiative to eliminate harmful language, specifically in internal communication among the school's IT community. In a statement, the university said the intent of this particular entry on the EHLI website was to provide perspective on how the term may be imprecise in some specific uses and to show that in some cases the alternate term, U.S. citizen, may be more precise and appropriate. Some say it makes sense. I would trust what Stanford is doing. I think there's probably a good reason for it. It's not <laughs> yes, you would. John Jennings <laughs> disagrees. I take being an American completely seriously. And uh, yes, so you would. Having so many less freedoms in other parts of the world, USA has much freedom. So it just is hurtful to me that U.S. citizen, what is that? Doesn't even mean anything to me. Uh, well, at least for that, we'll take the small victory where we can get it there that he doesn't give a fuck <laughs> if you're a U.S. citizen or not, right? We'll take the Absolutely. small victory there. And through and through. Mary Oroskovic was born in Australia, lived in Canada, and just became an American citizen this month. Yay. She says the word American has special meaning to her, and she'll continue to use it. I became an American citizen. I'm an American, and I don't have any negative meaning associated with that word. So I feel like I could use it freely. Stanford says it wants Well, you don't look like a Stanford student to be. American is not banned at the university. It's also accepting feedback on this new guide and will consider making adjustments. In San Jose, Marianne Favreau, NBC Bay Area News. So they buried the lead there. This this wasn't about like what the students can say on campus. It was like in regards to how things are worded on the fucking website. Pretty much, yeah, and it, it seemed like an IT department decision and policy and and you know experiment really, um, and not necessarily a campus wide you know doc uh, decree. Um, didn't seem like it was something that was issued from the trustees, right? Or uh, I'm sure they probably didn't even know about it. It was probably an in, in uh, inner department, intra department uh, policy, and it, like posted on the intranet more than likely, right? Um, and, but it leaked out because someone got a bug up their butt because they, you know, don't like the fact that American was, is a bad word. You know, so there well, you go. Or, or maybe, or maybe ladies, maybe that was their, they, they, they want to have the right, reserve the right to say, Hey ladies. Hey ladies. I mean, I say it, I say it all the time, I, especially right, well, the media girls with, like, when they're, when they're goes, here, I'm like, Hey ladies. <laughs> it goes with the territory. You're a host and a DJ. I mean, that if you don't say, if but, you can't say, "Hey, ladies," you can't perform your duties so and get paid. This is like the. <clears throat> this is almost like a style guide. Like when they give a style yeah. guide to a journalist yeah. for writing a story, this is like a style guide for writing things on the website or writing emails that go out to staff or the students or whatever. You you follow this style guide. This isn't like the fucking thought police going around the campus telling people not to say the word American. Like that's not Correct. what's happening, and it's being. The I, the news did, uh, as we say all the time, the news did a shitty job by not by like mentioning that almost as an aside, like that it wasn't yes. that, that it was that the story wasn't that that Stanford had banned these words. Well, no, it sounds to me right. like it was like, hey, when you build the website, try to avoid using these words, use these words instead because they're more precise. Like, right. so what? It might it might be in the might might avoid you know uh, in, uh, unintentional misconstruation. Uh, well, yeah, it's, it's Palo Alto and Stanford being Stanford and Palo Alto being Palo Alto. So not, not surprising that anything's controversial in Palo Alto. Speaking of which. Yeah, speaking of which, the uh, 
FTX founder. I'm not going to say his well, name. Of course. Fuck this guy. The FTX founder yes. somehow somehow came up with two hundred fifty million dollars for Bond, even though he said he had less than a hundred thousand dollars to his name. And uh, after defrauding people to the tune of fucking billions of dollars, like put Theranos to shame here. Didn't, but and well, also didn't defraud Henry Kissinger out of one fucking penny, which was disappointing. Uh, gets this, to go on house arrest at his parents' Palo Alto home. Come well, on. His parents, his parents, who are also, by the way, Stanford professors, I think. We'll find out more in a second. Oh, and they're knee-deep in this shit, too. We're going to find that out come, going forward. Home detention and a record bail to leave jail. Those are the terms the judge set today when agreeing to allow Sam Bankman-Fried... As to leave jail, a, as he awaits trial on massive name. fraud charges. The deal means that the man, who some have dubbed the devil in nerd clothes, will soon arrive in Palo Alto to stay with his parents. As our business tech reporter Scott Budman found, the neighborhood is already anticipating the arrival of the disgraced king of crypto. Barriers are going up a few blocks from Sam Bankman Freed's family home. What the fuck? The police are like, here, actually, we'll provide you security, too. Don't worry about it. They're being put up by school security in anticipation of Bankman Freed moving back home. But this is not a happy homecoming. As part of a bail deal reached today, Bankman Freed has to stay in his parents' home as he awaits trial on multiple <laughs> counts of investor fraud. He also had to post a $250 million bond, the largest in U.S. history. If you look up privilege in the Stanford Dictionary, I believe today there's a picture of Sam Bankman Freed. And those watching the. That guy was waiting all day to say that on the news. <laughs> a month. Say the new barricades and other measures are not just to keep the press away. Sam Bankman-Fried was involved in the crypto space. Let's be very, very honest and very transparent. There are some bad dudes in the crypto space. And if I lived anywhere near Sam Bankman-Fried's parents, I would get some cameras. As for those who hang out near Stanford, they're not too happy to hear Bankman Freed is headed home. Grifter's gonna grift, you know? Like, they're gonna, he's gonna, he's coming here, there's lots of money here. He's gonna come here and try to probably get more money to help whatever sad defense he's gonna have. His next Worries. is set for January 3rd. Also adding to the likely case against Bankman Freed, two of his fellow executives at FTX have pleaded guilty to criminal charges of fraud, and we are told are cooperating with the federal government. In Palo Alto, Scott Budman, NBC, Bay Area News. I like how that guy's like, I don't want him coming here. He's got to rip more rich people off. <laughs> <laughs> Except for Henry Kissinger, which is, again, I, I agree, a disappointment. Um, I, yeah, he just could have, I mean, he took all that money from all those people. He could have taken at least 50 grand from Henry Kissinger. Or, I mean, or like a Rumsfeld or, you know, uh, someone, you know, some like a Bush, some a Trump. Group. Trump, exactly, like a, a some even, sort of war prophet. Even a Clinton, even a Clinton would have been good. Right. Or one of those uh you know Blackwater, Whitewater, whatever. Those the you know, corrupt motherfuckers. Ooh, a DeVos. Anyway. If you would have taken money from Betsy DeVos. DeVos. There you go. That's what I'm talking about. The DeVos family. That's um, right. Yeah, so definitely would not want to be dude's parents' neighbors right now. Um I could totally imagine like if this happened like next this is like next door to my mom's I can, I can, I can absolutely imagine what would happen. Um, but that, that's going to be kind of freaky deaky, just seeing police setting up, you know, security or campus security around your neighborhood. All of a sudden, he used to mow the yard. He was such a nice boy. I think boy. he was. 
I think his parents actually live on campus. Like they live yeah, on that, that, the yeah, campus staff absolutely. housing. And I'm actually surprised that the university like was like, yeah, the sure go ahead. Like this I'm truly totally cool. Yeah. I, you'd think the I, university, uh, their list of pan words should have been FTX, Sam Bankman right. freed. Um, <laughs> Has to be something in their tenure. They're tenured. You know, there's, there's gotta be something in their contract with it. Uh, you know, it's the, Maybe it's if it's campus housing, or maybe it's a home that they purchase from the campus, and there's a contract that says we can we can do what we want. And if our son is arrested for you know uh, count you know many many counts of fraud and defrauding people out of billions of dollars, um, you know we reserve the right to have him stay at home while he's awaiting trial. And gangsters from around the crypto gangsters from around the world are coming to try to assassinate him. I'm not that that guy who's like, oh, the crypto people are scary. It's like, dude, those people don't even don't, those people don't even turn off their computer. Don't worry about those people. <laughs> well, that guy's worried about them. those people. Just go on Twitter and try to sell you a JPEG for fucking fifty thousand dollars, and they're like to the moon with the Dogecoin. It's like, dude, get out of here. They're all just busy. They're all just busy trying to. They're all just busy simping for Elon Musk right now. They're not going to do anything. Well, at, at least we know that the trial will probably get um, you know going quicker because there's there's going to be more room because uh, one of the courtrooms isn't going to be taken up with a a new trial for Scott Peterson. It looks like. Yeah, here we go. Scott Peterson did not get a a new trial. Yay! That, people don't know, but that was <clears throat> the trial was in uh, San Mateo County, right? Just up the up one hundred one a little piece from us here. So today, a San Mateo County judge dealing Scott Peterson's legal team a major blow ruling he won't be given a new trial. Peterson's attorneys had argued juror number seven, Rochelle Nice, lied so she could get on the high-profile case's original jury. The judge said there really is no showing of bias here. Uh, Peterson got a fair trial. In today's ruling, the judge concluded that juror number seven's responses were not motivated by pre-existing or improper bias against Peterson, but instead were the result of a combination of good faith misunderstanding of the questions and sloppiness in answering. The judge found that she was credible, that if she, if this juror had very strong feelings about the case, which she did, um, those were feelings that arose entirely from the juror hearing the evidence. Peterson, who is 50 now, was convicted of killing his wife, Lacey Peterson, and their unborn child and dumping them into the bay on Christmas Eve 2002. Peterson was moved off death row in October this year after the state Supreme Court overturned his death sentence, but not his conviction. So what's next? He won't be able to appeal today's ruling on the state level. Legal analyst Dean Johnson says Peterson will now likely try to get his conviction overturned in federal court, but says it'll be difficult to do and take many years. Uh, bottom line is when Scott Peterson gets to federal court, he will be raising some, but not all of the issues that were raised in the state court. For now, Peterson will continue to serve a life sentence at Mule Creek State Prison east of Sacramento. Ian Cole, NBC Bay Area News. They're talking about a uh, like a an appeal to federal court. The odds that like the like the I think it would be with the Ninth Circuit that's around here would even take this up are like really really slim. They don't tend to say- they don't tend to interfere in like convictions for like state or, like violent state crimes. They just tend not to interfere. It's that's like separate. That's supposed to be separate, right? Like the state has its own legal system. This guy didn't commit any federal crimes. So the federal, the, the odds that the federal court's going to get involved are like almost zero. Not that he shouldn't try. I mean, whatever. Like if he's still got money and his lawyers are still able to bill, I say bill this guy, bill this guy's family. Fuck it. Yeah, it's it's losers all around. Um, I mean, the only real winner 
here is you know justice and Lacey and the unborn child, but they're dead, so they they don't really they're not really winning anything uh, anymore. So yeah, it's nothing but losers in that situation. And yeah. hopefully he loses that again, and no one listens. No one listens to him, and he gets to stay at Mule Creek forever. Although uh, prefer him being at San Quentin. They showed like stock footage of San Quentin. Uh, he, I think he'd be much better suited there with the rats and the the cockroaches and the I have, other. I have strong feelings about that. I don't think that anybody should be in the conditions that San Quentin is providing. I don't care what you did. Oh well, I mean, I would agree with you there. Yes, and if, with all the better, better angels in my nature, but um, for this particular guy, yeah, the the real winners are his defense team, who are probably billing him at three hundred dollars an hour. A ching, dude. I'm, <laughs> I, we are definitely in the wrong professions, no matter what we're doing. <laughs> me for sure anyway los gatos get your shit together this is like i can't believe like this doesn't seem like a los gatos thing i thought the i thought the rich people in los gatos ran the show and the city isn't isn't like really inclined to stop them from doing things this is dumb we're gonna watch this this video here and i'm gonna tell you why it's dumb a south bay family spent big bucks and countless hours making this holiday display, a very unique one. Yeah, this is a life-size version of the Polar Express. But just before they welcomed the community to visit, it was nearly sidelined because of code restrictions. NBC Bay Area's Marianne Favreau shows us how the neighborhood came together to help save it. All aboard the Polar Express. Since mid-December, about 700 people a night from all over the Bay Lady, what's in those solo cups? Right? To see Eggnog. this holiday display. The Polar Express made a stop in the South Bay this holiday season. Not only is there a life-size replica of the steam engine from the beloved children's book and movie, but you can also climb aboard a train car, have a seat, and enjoy your own hot chocolate experience. This Polar Express car is one of the goodest cars you would ever see. Oh, oh my God, I love him. appreciate the attention to detail. And it looks like the real thing if you watch the movie. It's incredible. You can just walk through, sit down, pretend you're having some hot chocolate these guys love it for the mac family it's who pretend hot business, chocolate. creating this holiday magic in front of their flint ridge drive home in los gatos is a labor of love they started working on the project in november meticulously recreating models and investing more than twenty thousand dollars to build both trains i'd want to do something nice for the community in addition to the steam engine kids also enjoyed seeing reindeer a whoville display and chasing snow i saw you playing out here in the snow what do you like about that i got to eat it and <laughs> but the mac family says this display was almost sidelined when the town told them they had to take it down because of concerns the train car was taking up too much space on the street so they started a community petition we just wanted to kind of get the word out that you know we worked really hard on this and we were really excited about it and we wanted to be able to share it with everybody and so we were so sad that there would be a potential that we wouldn't be able to so we started the change.org petition and we had I think 645 signatures. The town agreed to allow this train car to stay put until December 31st, keeping the display on track and creating a new holiday destination for hundreds of families. After the holidays, the Mack family plans to donate this train to a community group that can use it. In Los Gatos, Marianne Favreau, NBC Bay Area News. Okay, that shit at the end about, like what community group is going to use like a fake train that you made out of fucking particle board and fucking two by like what is that like what community group is going to use that that's only seasonal to you know christmas or the holidays as well 
but they busted out of their you know Easter celebration or you know the May the May Day march. Uh, Fourth of July goes over really well. Polar Fourth of July, Polar Express. Fourth of July, Polar Express. I'm more concerned about like the 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 health implications of the child eating the fucking fake snow. Like, what's in that fake snow? That was just what I was going to say. Like, we're talking—is it styrofoam? I hope not, or maybe cornstarch. That's cornstarch styrofoam. Hopefully, <laughs> um, you could probably like—I I mean, I, I was thinking of you know, food, put put popcorn in a food processor or something, right, and whip it up like that. That would probably be decent pop, uh, decent snow. Well, we'll see. So we only got a couple things for down ballot watch because the election's over. And uh, I mean, unless you're in Arizona, most people actually here think the election's over. And so, yeah, yeah. so we, we do have recounts heat. in uh, two uh, like kind of northeast based cities. This is Richmond sure. and Antioch. They have recounts for their city council races. And I don't know. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Contra Costa County action. Okay, it is a critical count. The votes are being tallied for a second time tonight in two incredibly tight city council races in Contra Costa County. One of those races was a tie, and it was broken by drawing a name out of a bag. The other decided by just three votes. NBC Barry's Jody Hernandez has more. This is a vote for Cepeda? Yes. With candidates, lawyers, and observers looking on, teams of election workers have been counting thousands of ballots by hand trying to determine if the outcome of two hotly contested city council races will shift. I'm trying to keep good positive energy, uh, but it is a little nerve-wracking, right? Trying to go through this. Oh, no, they recounted after those two dudes, like, they fucking had such a, like, a good rapport with each other, and they both kind of yes. had a laugh over, over the fucking, come on, no! Yes, yes, the other guy requested his, or his attorneys requested the recount, so it was recounted, but, um... I don't know if this is the most recent story, but there's good news I can let you know about in a second, but let's let's, let's say, okay, is it going to change? Is it not going to change? What's going to happen? But it's also very exciting. Cesar Cepeda was declared the winner of Richmond's District 2 City Council race after the race ended in a tie and the city clerk drew his name from a paper bag. His opponent, Andrew Butt, and his supporters are paying more than $20,000 for a recount. Given what we've, what we've seen up there uh, in the recount, I, th I think it's probably unlikely that, that it'll still be a tie. Um, one way or the other, who knows, but, I, but there are definitely ballots that, that are questioned. That I will bear true faith and allegiance. And allegiance. Tamisha Torres-Walker was sworn in last week after winning her Antioch City Council race by just three votes. Her opponent, Joy Motts, and her supporters are also paying big bucks for a recount. Because of a race so close, three votes, and because there's always a possibility of human error. I don't think it's going to be different. <laughs> I think I'm going to enjoy serving Antioch for the next four years. It's the first time in recent memory a process like this has taken place. This process has definitely made me one of those last minute Christmas shoppers. <laughs> The results of the recount are expected to be announced tomorrow once all the ballots are counted and the questionable ones reviewed. But it may not be the end of it. Candidates in both of the contested races have indicated depending on the outcome, they may pursue other challenges. In Contra Costa County, I'm Jody Hernandez, NBC Bay Area News. Oh no. Oh no. So oh, no. You, have, you said you have good news? Yes, in the first race, actually, uh, Richmond. Uh, so Mr. Cepeda um, actually came out on top in the recount, wouldn't you know? So he uh, he won by, I think, one vote um, in the recount. So <laughs> screw you, Mr. Butt, for paying 20000 You know I get to pay $20,000 for a recount that um, 
you lost. So now you, you don't even have the honor of losing a fair and square name draw out of a bag. You uh, get to be the sore loser who paid $20,000 for a recount that proved that the other guy won. Actually, I think it might have been by three votes. It might have swung quite a bit. But like, and, and he even alluded to it. He said, I think there will be a clear winner. Um, that, that'll be, that's the good news, no matter what happens. And it's like, I don't know. I, I would kind of want to have $20,000 and my pride. Um, but that's me. And do you know what happened anyway. in the other other race? Yes, and and the the lady who had the uh, lady the uh, uh, new councilman woman elect uh, who had all the confidence was was right to have the confidence because she was elected, um, and the recount proved it. So there you go. Very nice. Speaking of recounts, though, um, people just can't get over ranked choice voting, and they can't get over you know uh, especially when it, it it seems they can't get over it when it gives victory to and. AAPI candidate. I'm just saying it happened the last time and everyone freaked out. No one freaked out over Libby Schaff. So let's, let's learn more about who's, who's getting their uh, panties in a bunch over the (laughs) ranked choice voting in the Oakland mayor's race. $21,000 a day. That's what a recount in the Oakland mayoral election could cost. And that cost would have to be paid by the group requesting it. But the NAACP says it's a fee the county should be paying for a second look at what they claim is a poorly explained election that's impacted seniors in the city. I got to make all these choices. Now I'm confused as hell and I'm trying to explain this to my neighbors. Today on the deadline to request and pay for the recount, the Oakland NAACP went to the Alameda County Voter of Registrar's Office to say they believe confusion over ranked choice voting led to thousands of voters to select more than one candidate in the same ranking or submit ballots with no rankings at all. Alameda County Registrar Office, we are asking you to pay the fee. You, these are taxpayers. They pay your salary. Taxpayers, seniors, that march for us to vote. Ring choice voting has been debated in Oakland for years. Mayoral candidate Seneca Scott believes voters were once again misinformed when they went to the polls. It should trigger an automatic recount after the amount of miseducation done by elected officials and the city clerk's office in an election that was decided by just over one half a percent. Sheng Tao won by less than 700 votes over Lauren Taylor. Taylor has not asked for a recount, and Mayor-elect Sheng Tao explained in a statement that if anyone wanted to fund a recount, she would welcome it. We just think that to satisfy these seniors and probably others, um, the recount needs to happen. With no payment, Tim Dupree from the county says the recount is forfeited, saying the election doesn't warrant an automatic recount and that the state election code prevents the county from paying for it. And we'll take those concerns and we'll talk with the city of Oakland as well, who's the election official for this race, and we'll evaluate what we can do to address some of these concerns. In Oakland, Valina Jones, NBC Bay Area News. Now, if the guy who lost doesn't want to recount, if I remember correctly, the guy who lost was like super gracious and cool. Like when yes. we watched, we watched the, when we did our kind of a, like a local, like roundup, he was like, I look yes. forward to working with uh, the, the mayor in any way I can. He was like super cool, super yeah. cool and seemed, seemed to like genuinely like the, his opponent. Like, and yeah, so I don't, sure. I don't, I don't get it. Yeah. No, they're council colleagues and they got along, uh, shared a lot of values. Um, so it was going to be a, a win-win no matter who of them came out, it seemed like. Um, and yeah, council member Taylor was, uh, very uh you know amicable and and uh conceded the race 
And at the end of the day, a recount is not going to swing a 768 vote or whatever it was margin. That's just not going to happen. A dozen votes here and there, sure. Um, even with the way ranked choice voting works, it's not going to sway enough to, to swing that election. Um, so go for it, you know, pay for it. I feel bad if, if, if folks feel that they were misled or um, or confused about how to vote, right, and what ranked choice voting is. I mean, you've had it in that city. It's not as though this is the very first election. And if we're talking about seniors, what are you doing in terms of your organizing? If there are so many seniors who don't understand ranked choice voting now that you've had it for how many, 16 years or you know, 12 years, I've, I don't know how many cycles, um, you should, any, any organizers in any community groups worth their salt would be out there mobilizing and informing people and making sure everyone and seniors especially know what they're doing in terms of voting, right? So I, I'm surprised that they're surprised. And I think that the the messaging, uh, my messaging would be like, if none, any of this doesn't make sense to you, just pick one on the first mm -hmm. one. Just pick one. If none of this makes sense, at least pick the person you'd like to win. Yes. Yeah. And, you, you can single shot. You can just go one. That's it. And you don't have right. to rank them one through whatever. You can just rank one and that's it. Right. And a lot of people did. You know, he, he uh, council member Taylor did win the majority of the first place votes. Right. Um, or the, the majority, the, the most first place votes. Sorry. The plurality of the first right. place votes. Um, and uh, uh, Tao won uh, uh, in the ranked choice reapportionment, basically. Right. Because she ended up being more popular amongst a broader swath of people. There's another yeah. system, and I don't want to spend too much time on this. There's another system called approval voting, where you mm -hmm. just check all that you think are good, and then whoever mm -hmm. gets the most of those wins. Mm. But yeah, uh, there you go. Like I'm, I'm okay. I'm cool with this person. Yeah. Yeah. I'm cool and, with this person. But regardless, if the person who didn't win. If the person who came in second isn't calling for the recall, I, there's no, I, in fact, yeah. I would, I Why? would set up the recall so that the person who came closest is the only person like, then they can bring in outside groups to help them. But I would set it up so that if the person who got second place doesn't call for the recall, then there's no fucking recall. Yeah. It's like, it should be candidate only. I, that's a, I, that's a really good reform. That would be a really good reform. If you're talking about, uh, how to reduce the number of recounts, um, ensure that it's only the candidate can request it. Now, granted the other two cases, it would have been. Um, uh, it was the candidates requesting it and paying for it, by the way. Um, there actually was another, just on a side note, before we move on to another thing, um, there, uh, <laughs> there was another case in Sunnyvale um, that's still sort of in doubt or whatever. I don't know what you call it, what you call it but a city council race. Um, you might recall where I mentioned it was a dead heat um, and then it was a tie um, and uh, a recount was requested uh, after uh, a I think the one candidate went ahead by one vote. So the other candidate requested a recount. The recount, the second, this is the second hand recount, turned out uh, a tie. So they are now going to figure out a process, what the process is going to be for determining who, you know, how the tie is broken. Are they drawing names out of the hat, flipping a coin, whatever. Um, but it's really up in the air in terms of who's paying for it because the law says that uh, the petitioner pays for it if it doesn't materially change the outcome of the race well in this case it created a tie which hasn't necessarily changed the outcome of the race yet so we'll find out you know if once the tie is broken if he loses more than likely he's going to have to pay but if he wins he doesn't have to pay and the city pays for the recount so very interesting so we'll ho hopefully that'll hit uh local news we'll have some video of that soon um as well as a lot of other shenanigans happening in san jose on the near horizon as we appoint new council members Ooh, fun. Cool. Well, and another thing is almost always another, it's almost always an animal or human interest story. And this time it's an animal interest story. And wouldn't you know it, 
Wild hogs. More wild hogs. We talked to one homeowner who says he woke up to this this morning after wild pigs turned his lawn upside down. And he says it's not the first time it's happened. Pigs on the prowl. This video taken by a neighbor Saturday night shows nearly 30 wild pigs. Saturday night. Heading toward a home Saturday night, let the fucking hogs roam, baby. For sure. Les back again last night because this is what Carol Duran woke up to this morning. Awful. <laughs> it's like, wow. Okay, we can't repair this now. There's no reason to repair. You can't repair it like this. She says the pigs have rototilled her lawn before, but this is the most damage she's ever seen. This is a lot of mess that we have to, homeowners, have to take care of. And it's not a cheap things to fix. She also says the pigs ransacked her garbage can. Took our garbage apart. I mean, we had... I'm trying to steal our identity. Wildlife experts say the pigs often head down from the hills into neighborhoods in search of grubs, which thrive in moist soil. And it looks like they found some in Michael Coquila's front yard. My lawn is upside down. It happens often. Just how often? Michael says the hungry hogs have pigged out on his lawn about a dozen times since 2005. Still, he's taking it in stride. It's funny to me. <laughs> they're just, I like him. They're just looking for food, and we moved into their neighborhood. They've, they've been here before us. A California Department of Fish and Wildlife spokesman says this is one of the risks of living on the so-called urban edge next to open space. Possible solutions include artificial turf, fencing, and hazing without harming, such as making loud noises. The California Department of Fish and Wildlife also recommends that homeowners use a paint gun to try to scare the wild pigs away. In San Jose, <laughs> Mariam Favreau, NBC Bay Area News. Thank you, Mary. Like every year, or every six months, we have one of these stories about these people that move like up up on the hill, right? And then they're like, mm -hmm. they're like stunned. They're like, why are there, why are there pigs here? And it's like, well, you moved up on the hill, you know? You know all that other right. wildlife? You like all the birds and stuff? Well, that's not the only wildlife up on the hill. There's fucking hogs there and they're going to eat your lawn. I don't know. Correct. Put in, like, put oh, in like a, a rock garden. In my tree. Put in yeah. like a koi pond or something. Make, make <laughs> them go fishing. Turf. My God. Artificial turf. What were they saying? Noisemakers. Um, Paintball yeah, guns? That I think Michael Coquillo had the best attitude of it all, right? Like, you know, hey, I, I, you know, I live out here on the edge. They were here before us. And this is just, you know, this is how it is. It's nature. What are you going to do? Oh, yeah. Uh, do the real estate agents tell these people about this when they move in? Do they go, hey, you know, this is a really nice no. house, but the fucking pigs are going to mess your lawn up every few years? Fuck no. They're like, oh, this is, it's, in, it's Willow Glen. Almaden is, Willow, is the new Willow Glen. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you'll be fine. Oh, they're just, they're just uh, redoing their lawn. It's no problem, you know. Well, that's, a, uh, that's, yeah, our show. Maybe, that's our show that's our show councilman you want to read us out yeah why not you know um w when in doubt you know make sure that you have the bollards up so that the pork apocalypse does not come to your front yard uh, if it's saturday night especially they are ravenous and they are ready to party so be careful um and i do advise you to continue to get vaccinated as we've already heard it's very dangerous out there so do that wear a mask when you're not eating and you're anywhere near other people and if you can wear pants that's great but it's totally optional and i hope you all have a great evening stay tuned for local love peace out <laughs>
to get the party started Pick up my phone just to check and see who's calling Dress up real nice for the ladies at the bar And I'm driving in my car just to get to where they are Here at the local scene is where I plant my feet It's where I smoke my cigarette and I hold my drink I look at all my friends, they're all blazing green Sit with the front of the stage waiting for MTV Where are those guys who's standing next to me With a pipe in his hand ready to blaze for me About five minutes later we're all singing queen Now get the fuck up on stage and rock the scene Yeah, we do what we want And what we want is to jam So sit back and enjoy the band Just when the magic starts kicking in I hear we left playing and you know it's time to head in Alright everybody, now it's time to grab a new drink Spark it if you got it and then pass it to me yeah. We do what we want And what we want is to jam So sit back and enjoy the band We do what we want What we want to do And what we want is to jam So sit back and My lighter stoner E, of course, shouldn't you be inside? I'm all up in this bitch being who I gotta be. I'm fucked up like the US economy. The truth is, is that I don't think logically. Stoner E, take you on a psychedelic odyssey. Now, inside, motherfuckers is rocking me. And outside, shit, we smoke a lot of broccoli. Rocky the roller, you're the sexy groovy jockin' Ain't too drunk to fuck, but I'll probably do a sloppin' We do what we want. And what we want is to jam So sit back and enjoy the band We do what we want And what we want is to jam So sit back and enjoy the band
Sunday, 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 right here on twitch.tv slash Echoplex Media. It's the Plex, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Pacific and on into red light. We have the worst news in the week that no one else will cover. The Plex has it all. Conspiracy, right-wing nut jobs, Christian extremism, and Madison Star Moon. Tune in every Sunday at 7 p.m. Pacific at twitch.tv slash Echoplex Media and find our full schedule at Echoplex Media dot com.